Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, church. Once again, coming to you here from church. There's no one here this morning again, and you know, I am so longing to be here with all of you. I really miss you guys. I'm not just saying that this morning, but you know, the, the longer this time goes on, I just realize how much I appreciated just being around the church family, worshiping together. You know, I can't wait to be in this room, worshiping, singing together, and just enjoying fellowship with one another, having my kids here running around, just seeing you all once again in the same place. And it feels like that time is coming soon. It feels like we're, we're drawing to an end of this season uh, I'm, I, for one, I'm really excited. We don't know the date yet. We don't know when officially we can come back. We're still waiting for news on that, but just really just anticipating uh, this new, next season where we can once again be together in-person services. I want to let you know that there's a lot of work actually going on in the background right now. We're p- making preparations for in-person services. We've been looking a lot at the, the technical side of things so that we can continue to support an online experience for those of you that can't join us for an in-person gathering. Uh, So there's a lot of prep work going on, just so you know, things are moving and we're gonna be ready for whenever we can to have in-person gatherings again. We're gonna start off with a bang and really looking forward to that that Sunday when we can celebrate being in the house together once again. Well, this morning I am continuing to come to you through your screens, uh, wherever you are, maybe you're joining your connect group or watching with your family right now. Just want to say good morning and welcome to the service this morning. And we're continuing our series, the Walk series. And I've been enjoying this a lot recently and just, just getting a lot out of both Pastor Phil's message two weeks ago and Ladea's last week. What a message that was. So much to unpack. Uh, just, yeah, some real revelation last week. I'm sure a lot of you have been feeling the same about this series. So I just want to give a quick recap before I get into today's message. And I hope that it's been challenging you. I hope that it's been inspiring you to take stock of your walk, your status as a disciple and where you are in your walk and maybe perhaps where you would like to improve things, how you would like to maybe incorporate some of the things you've learned in the last few weeks or some of the things that we have learned so far in this series. Well, just kicking it off, we learned that first and foremost, we are disciples before anything else, before we're a leader or even a father or a mother or whatever we do for our occupation. We are a disciple. We are a follower of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? Well, going back to my message from a few weeks past, it it means prioritizing, identifying with, and being captivated by Jesus, quite simply. We are called, just as Pastor Phil said a couple weeks ago, we are called to actually make disciples as well. Not necessarily Christians, but followers, first and foremost, apprentices that are learning the way of Jesus and unlearning sometimes the ways of the flesh or the culture around us that is influencing us and discipling in it, us in its own way. Discipleship, as we've, we've been reminded, is a journey and what Ladea called the, the now, not yet reality. I, I just really love what that, that picture that she shared about that we are a shadow of our future. That's just such an excellent way of looking at it. You know, through Jesus, we have actually received our future. We've received a promise, but we need to, as we learn, walk it out. 
so that we can fully experience it and realize it. And some of that experience is just in, within reaching distance. We just have to kind of step into it and embrace it. And so at this point, you might be wondering, okay, so, yep, I identify myself as a disciple. Uh, I want this. This makes sense. I want, I, want, I want to identify with Christ. I want to make him my priority. I want to give him my heart. I want to give him my life. You're all in, right? So you're convinced about the why of discipleship. So you might be asking yourself, well, how do I be a disciple? That's a basic question, and I can understand why you might ask that. You might be saying, oh, where do I sign up? How does C3 do discipleship? Is it a six-week course, perhaps? Maybe I can sign up and do it online in this season. Well, if only, of course, it were that easy. It's, it's a little bit more complex than that. You, you know, a lot of people have tried to make discipleship a course. There's many books on it. You can read many blog posts about seven keys to discipleship. There's a lot of good teaching, a lot of good wisdom, a lot, a lot of good tips and tricks. Uh, and sometimes we love to do that. We love to distill the things of God uh, to a formula, right? We, we like to have like a little checklist that we can feel secure about, that we've actually covered all the bases. And so there's a lot of material out there. But, you know, there was a group of people that were actually quite famous for always looking for a formula when it comes to the things of God. And, and they were the Pharisees. They were quite infamous for this. That they read everything as a formula, everything as a checklist that they could feel proud about, that they'd actually covered all their bases. And, you know, Tim Keller once said this. He said that the law is not a checklist we keep, but a benchmark that we fail. The law is not a checklist we keep, but a benchmark that we fail. See, because we, we love checklists, and, and this, this goes for all areas of life. We, we love it because it helps us to feel a little bit more secure, that you know, we, we've done our homework, that we haven't missed anything, that we can avoid that fear of missing out, right? And in Romans 7, Paul teaches us a little bit about this. He says that the law cannot actually save us from sin. It was meant as a guide, but actually became a temptation to us because of our sinful nature. Well, when I try to understand that, I, I, I often think about the times when I'm at home and I, I talk to my son, Levi, and I say, you know, whatever you do, don't go into that cupboard. Maybe because I've hidden some chocolate there or something. Like, just don't go there. I don't want to find you up in that cupboard. Well, I'm trying to help him. I'm trying to, I'm trying to guide him and what not to do. But for his curious self, his little mischievous, curious self, that is, that's almost just like putting a temptation in his way. And that's how it is with the law. Often that it got, the thing that God gave to us as a guide of, of what to do and what not to do actually became, because of our sinful nature, because of that curious, rebellious curiosity in us, it actually became a form of temptation. It became a curse over us. Right? It, see, because the real value of the law, the reason why God gave Moses the law and helped helped is that it helped us reveal the nature of God to us. It shows us who God is, what are his values, what is his, his personality, what does he value. So it really helped us to see that we are in need of his grace. That's basically what the law did, is it helped us see that we are in need of rescuing, that we needed a savior. It pointed us back to God. It made us realize that we need to reconcile a relationship that had been lost with the Father, right? So the key in, in all of that is, is how we respond. And it's the same with discipleship. It's how do we respond 
to our shortcomings in the face of his righteousness, in the face of his expectations. When we look at the blueprint of Jesus' life, how do we respond when we see that we are quite far off from who he is? And if our goal is to be like him, which is, which is the commitment of a follower, how do we respond to the fact that we are so distant from that today? So God's looking for a response. He's looking. The truth is, there is no easy program for discipleship. There's no easy formula that we can just put together or, or checklist that we can cross off in order to say, yep, I've done it. I've achieved the status of a disciple. It is a journey. What there is, and you will hear us talk about this here in this church, you've probably heard us talk about it before at C3, is pathways, pathways to discipleship. And as a church, we challenge each other in always taking the next step. We talk a lot about in our church taking the next step. And I really believe in this, and that's why I've said it. I'm not, not taking anything back. I really believe in, in our, our faith walk is a lot about taking the next step, looking for God, where do you want me to take the next step? And so we, we'll try to help you on a pathway to help facilitate discipleship, the process of discipleship in your life. So how does that look? So it could be making a decision. It could be a decision you want to make the decision that you're actually going to follow Christ, that you want to accept him into your life as, as your savior and as your Lord. That's obviously a huge decision, an important one. It could be the decision to get baptized, to be baptized into his church, to identify with him and his life, death, and resurrection. It could be to simply say, I'm going to decide that this is my church. I'm going to be planted. I'm going to be rooted. I'm going to make this my home, and I'm going to build this local church. That's also a really important decision. It could be taking the step of joining a connect group. Perhaps you have only been on the outside and, and you, you want to experience real community. So you, you, want to, you want to get your hands and feet dirty and start getting into relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, which is, again, very important and can be crucial for your growth. It, the, the, another step could be serving on a team. We talk a lot about this as well, to get involved. And it could be exercising generosity. All of these are different things that God might be challenging in. We, we will try to be a voice for that in helping to challenge you to take these different kinds of steps. And that might be a step for you that you have taken or are about to take. About, it's, it's about becoming part of God's mission, ultimately. Again, so all of these are important steps in your journey of a maturing faith. They are, they are good things, right? They can help facilitate discipleship. They can be a sign of growth in your life a fruit that we can see. But, and there is a but, with all, with all of this, of all of these good things and important steps, it, it, there can easily be a missing ingredient in your walk. Something that if, that if you don't have can leave you feeling a little bit disillusioned with the effectiveness of these pathways that we have mentioned. You wonder, where are these taking you? I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like I'm, I'm at the place where I want to be or maybe that I was in the past. And you can start to get hypercritical of leadership. You might get disgruntled, critical of what the, the things that church doesn't have, of course, which there are many. You know, the church is always trying to live in a place of faith, always trying to stretch forth for the future. So there's always a, a lack. There's always a a dependency on God to, to come through in our shortcomings. So it's not hard to find things that are missing in church. And so 
that is a place you can easily find yourself in if you have this missing ingredient. So what is it that I'm talking about? Well, as I mentioned in the introduction to this series, we can give you pathways to identify as a follower, getting baptized, attending church, belonging. We can even challenge you to prioritize the things of God by serving and giving in his mission through the local church. But that key element that I was just referring to to really forming a new identity that is super crucial is to have your heart melded to Jesus and live out a new mercy. You know, Simon McIntyre, who was till very recently the overseer of the Sea Free Movement here in Europe, is now overseeing the churches in in North America. He once told us this brilliantly um, tongue-in-cheek statement when he said, You need to be a Christian to stay in church. And uh, there's so much truth in that statement, as funny as it is, that without a heart stayed on God, church just won't do it for you. Now, I can testify of that. You know, as as, um, a a young, disgruntled, um, complaining young man in church that went away to Bible school, uh, I, I came back to my local church in Plymouth in England with an invigorated relationship with God and experienced a new appreciation for my local church. The, the thing is, though, is that my church hadn't changed. What had changed is my heart. And the lesson I learned from that is that without the lens of the Holy Spirit, the church family isn't really seemingly so special. Church is just another activity taking up your time. And as a visitor to church, well, we haven't had so many this past year, but in in times gone by, and hopefully very soon, you know, visitors can come and they might enjoy the music, they might think that the pastor was funny, or they might appreciate the fika and the hospitality and the warm, good vibes that they receive when they come to church. But the truth is, if you're going to stick around in church, if you're going to carry some weight in church, You need to have God's perspective on things. It's a perspective that enriches everything that you see in church and in the body of Christ. Church doesn't work without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I found that was true for my life. But with God, we see that the church is God's beloved. We see that the local church is his passion. And we can share in that. But only if we maintain a relationship with the Holy Spirit You know, if we find ourselves getting disappointed and and bitter and super critical, often it can be just a reflection of the fact that we're running dry in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're not seeing things through his eyes. If we just see church and God's family through just our human eyes, through through our our fleshly thoughts, you know, we we can so easily be disappointed in the things people don't do or the things people are lacking in, or or just there's just so many things we can be critical of, and and those things exist. There are are reasons to be offended or disappointed. But you know, if we see things with God's perspective, we have a lot more grace in our hearts. We have so much, we're really living out that new mercy that Jesus talks about. Amen. So that's why our walk must be in the Spirit. It must be in the Spirit. If we are to remain in the truth and life, we're to stay in God's family. If we can if we can do church, if we can continue to be a part of God's family, we must be in the spirit. 
Because it's that, that spirit that unites us. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us together, that binds us together. And so we cannot do this without him. You know, I think last week, Ladea touched on just a, a really important paradox when she talked about the now but not yet reality that we actually live in. It's the message of the gospel that is so crucial that I just want to continue on that thread this morning because I think there's just so much to it. Because the reality is, is that the promises of God, the things that we love to quote, and you know, it gives me so much encouragement and I take heart from it. These promises of God are reached by a walk in tandem with the Holy Spirit. And that's so easily forgotten sometimes. Sometimes we just complain to God that things aren't happening for us, but we, we forget that we're maybe not listening to the voice of God. We're maybe not working with the Holy Spirit in order to get where we want to go, right? So those of you that know me, you know that I love sport. I'm a bit of a sports fanatic. Now, it's probably down to my South African roots. If you know any of the South Africans in church, you'll know that they are also quite fanatical about sport. It's just part of the culture over there. And I, I have to thank my father for passing that down to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I might not have the athletic physique of, say, uh, Mr. Joe Halstead, but I do love watching sport. I used to play a lot when I was younger, but not so much of recent years. But, you know, recently we had a guy join our Connect group called Jack and he's a professional football coach, which I was pretty excited about. And he's come to Sweden to coach the local side, um, which is a big opportunity for him. So I was really happy to meet up with him for lunch and, you know, talk about God and, of course, football, uh, which I, I really enjoyed doing. And so those of you that aren't maybe as appreciative of sport, like my wife is, for example, you just have to excuse the analogy that I'm going to use this morning. But I think sport is a really great picture of our walk with God. And I often drawing parallels to what I see going on in the professional sports world or even just on a grassroots level of how there's a team and there's a coach and you're, you're, you're just doing everything to prepare and discipline yourself to reach a goal. There's so much we can draw from that when it comes to our faith life. And so I'd just like to do that a little bit this morning. And so the, the cool thing is, is that I'm not the only one who, who has done this, of course, and I, I can look in, in, in God's word and, and see some great analogies when it comes to sport from no less than the apostle Paul, who, Paul, who loved to use athletic metaphors. I don't know if you noticed this, but in his own teachings, it, when he was, particularly when he's talking to the Greeks, and the Greeks were kind of themselves pretty passionate about sport. That's where the Olympics came from. They often had games. And so a lot of the uh, analogies or metaphors that he uses made a lot of sense in the local culture. So he was really keen on, on speaking to the culture, to speaking with where people are at. So I really appreciate that as a sports fanatic. So I'm just going to jump right in at now into a passage that you're probably quite familiar with. It's from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. So if you've got your Bibles, you can just turn there now. It says this, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. That's that now, not yet that we talked about. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body 
and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I think Joe Halstead would love that passage there uh, for all, you, all the personal trainers um, out there. It's a great passage. I really love it. And whether you see our faith journey as a walk or a run, it, the important thing here, and what I take out of this passage, is that there is a purpose to our journey. We are going somewhere. We are discipled to receive a prize, that, that now not yet reality that awaits us. My question was always, well, how can I be sure that I will get the prize if there's work yet to do? And I'm, I feel like that's the kind of question that Levi would ask me. He loves to throw me curveballs whenever we're reading the Bible together. Is, is this just one of the coach's pep talks here that we're seeing in the Bible from Paul? Well, I don't think so. I, I think that we can have confidence today because ultimately it is the Holy Spirit who causes spiritual growth to happen. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So that's why we can have confidence because we have somebody working with us who's who comes from there, who's been there. He's been a champion already. He, he, is, he is of God. It's, it's one part of the, the Trinity, the, the Godhead. And so we can have a lot of confidence drawn from that, that he's on our side helping us, the helper that was promised, that was sent to us on the day of Pentecost. We're going to be having a whole series on the Holy Spirit next month, and I think it's definitely uh, needed and will be appreciated by many. But, you know, without him, no one can make you grow any more than a farmer can make a crop grow. We, we just can't do it without him. If we are to grow and to mature, if we are to do this journey, if, if we are to build his kingdom, we have to do it with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew this. This is why he promised it. This is why he encouraged his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's mission with us. Spiritual maturity transformation in people's lives. It's a, it's a divine work of God, and it's a miracle to watch. And I find that liberating to know, because I realize that I am limited in my own ability to influence even myself and others. But I also see it as a challenge, because it says to me that we need to work with God, that we actually do have a role to play in all of this, in this process of growth. Well, what does the Spirit do in our lives that affects our growth? Well, first, He is the one that opens our minds and our hearts to first hear and respond to the gospel. So crucially, He brings God's word to our hearts, They're the heart of a wayward person. He brings conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know, I always remember one day being in a, in a, a meeting in, in a big tent, there was a, an evangelism event in our city, and I was just standing there worshiping God, and out of the corner of my eye, a, a, a childhood friend came in who had been mixed up in drugs, was so far away from God, didn't want anything to do with God, had no real knowledge of God, and for some reason, he had responded to an invite to come to this event. And as he experienced the presence of God, he was just standing there worshiping for the first time, just so convicted of where he was and it was in need of a savior that he gave his life directly over to Jesus. And 
I just think of that, that that was not achieved by any kind of argument or reasoning, but by just the, the Holy Spirit drawing him into the presence of God and reaching into his heart, convicting him and helping him see his need of a savior and, and making him aware and just having that revelation of the grace of God that was available to him. It's a miracle and it's a beautiful thing to see and it's something I long to see in multiplication, particularly here in this city where God has placed us. It's an amazing thing and it's, it's only a work of, the, of God. In the same way, it's God that changes us, that transforms us, that does this miraculous work of transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It's liberating, but it's also challenging because it lets us know that we need to work with him, that we need to be in tandem with him. Amen. So he is the one that draws us to Christ, causes us to be born again, makes us new on the inside and places us into God's family, into his team. From beginning to end, the Spirit draws us and brings us into a relationship with Christ. That is the main ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's just pointing us to Jesus. He's just showing us the way, showing us the will of the Father. But it doesn't stop there. The Spirit's job isn't over. In fact, he's just getting started when we come into relationship with Jesus. It's, the Spirit lives, as we reminded last week, in every follower of Jesus. Everyone who calls themselves a disciple has faith in God. He actually takes residence in our lives. Such an amazing fact that he's here just, just waiting, wanting to work with us, wanting to help us to, to grow and to mature into the likeness of Jesus. Just as we learned last week in Romans 8, he leads us, he teaches us, he comforts us and grows us to look more and more like Jesus. He helps us in our weakness he guides us into truth, empowers us to serve God. Just as I was saying, we can't do anything. We can't, we can't expect to be able to build the kingdom of God or birth any of these initiatives, start a church and learn online ministry, city hearts, all these things. We cannot do it without God. He gives us courage to tell others about Christ and produces everlasting changes in our lives. Holy Spirit is pretty awesome. I hope you're convinced of that. Just reminded of that this morning. As we abide in Christ, as we keep in step with the Spirit, which is a challenge, don't get me wrong, He works through us to produce lasting spiritual fruit that will remain forever. Just as Paul was saying, it's like athletes, they run for a prize that does not last, but we run for a prize that is everlasting. Whatever we do in God's name is eternal. Whatever we do in service to His kingdom is eternal. It's worth, it's worth dedicating your life to. The Holy Spirit is our coach. And he's the best coach that we could ever have. God places you also, crucially, he does place you in a team. He places you in a church family, a community of the local church. And we have teammates. We, we have our, our pastors, our connect group leaders, our brothers and sisters in Christ that are running alongside us for different legs of, of, our, of our journey, helping us, encouraging us, spurring us on. But in reality, is the Spirit who does the work of growing every believer towards maturity and fruitful living. We actually, even as leaders, we're working in partnership with the Holy Spirit in order to help facilitate people's growth. You may ask, if that's the case, then 
then why don't we see more people fully mature and following Jesus? Well, the answer to that question lies in our part, our role of the spiritual growth process. See, because while the, the Spirit does the work on the inside of us and that no one else can do, we must participate with him. And we can read this in, in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. It says, not that I, this is Paul speaking here, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. So it's the not yet again. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting that is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And if you're talking, this is Paul talking here, you know, of everything that he achieved, everything that he experienced, everything he knew, his maturity, he was still pressing forward. So how much more does that speak to us as maybe a little bit more humbler disciples that are a little bit maybe further back in our journey that we have so much more to press into, to press forward into, so much more to experience, so much more that God has prepared for us. We're just getting started and the Holy Spirit has attitude. He's like, come on, let's go. Let's work together. Let's see great things happen in your world through you and around you. Amen. So Paul told the believers in Philippi also, he said, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, the Spirit is the one who gives us the power and the desire to please God. It is our job to, do, to work hard to obey God and revere him in everything we do. And if we need help in that, we have help in the Holy Spirit. We can ask God, Lord, give me a fresh desire. Give me a renewed desire to please God. And I thank you that you give me the power to actually achieve that. You haven't set me up for failure, but you have made me an overcomer. Talking about priorities again here. The Spirit does His work, but we have to work to do too. So what's your role in all of this? Well, first, we must live under the control of the Holy Spirit, day by day and moment by moment. That is something that only you can activate in your life. It's, it's in your devotion. It's in your prioritization. Paul called this walking in the Spirit. We need to keep in step with him and walk at his pace along the path that he has for you, your personal path, path that only you can walk with the Holy Spirit. Imagine walking with a good friend along a well-worn path. And as you walk together, you enjoy fellowship with one another. You talk about what's on each other's heart. You share openly and freely, and you are both headed in the same direction. Well, that's our relationship in a simple picture with the Holy Spirit, that he's with you every step of the way. He, He's, he's spurring you on. He's, he's coaching you, just like a coach on the side of a football field. He, he's pulling you aside and, and, and giving you direction, telling you what to do and what not to do, what to focus on. 
He's spurring you on. He is our coach. But the key is something only you can provide. Just see, just as a, a young player has to be responsive to his coach's instruction and, and leading, we have to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. We have to allow him to speak into our life. We have to allow him to be the lens in which we see our world and, we, and that, that we see our church and that we see our leaders and our brothers and sisters in Christ and our community. We have to see it through his eyes. We have to ask for his perspective because if we just see it through our carnal eyes, if we just see it through our human fleshly perspective, we're going to struggle. We're going to have problems. We're going to get critical. We're going to get negative. We're going to give up. We're going to lose hope. We need to see it through his perspective. And that's the great thing is that he's there to help us. He's there to help guide us, to help us to focus on the things that are important in life, to help us focus on the main thing and not get distracted by everything that's going on around us. The key is only something only you can provide. It's your desire to grow in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just as I'm coming to a close right now, you know, as a church, one of the early words that Pastor Quinton got, which he shared on a number of occasions now, what he received was um, a word that a spring season had come for the church. And just as Ladea reminded us last week, and I think it connects so well with that illustration that she has, and the writing of Paul also encourages us in this, that we have to live in the now, not yet reality. We have to live as if spring has already come, that we wear our shorts even if spring hasn't yet come in, in the actual climate around us. And today was a particularly cold day, but we have to, we have to be like those crazy Swedes that, that wear their shorts just because officially it's spring. We have to have the attitude of, well, God has said it, so I'm going to live in it. I'm going to walk out in that reality. We have to embrace the future. As a church, I believe that we have a spring season ahead of us. These faith initiatives that we've been talking about in these past few weeks is all about entering into a new season, a spring season for our church. You know, I believe that C3 Lund is going to be a spring season experience for us. I believe that we're going to experience a new level of reaching people. We're going to have new di different kinds of people coming into our church that we have never seen before. We're going to see a multiplication now. I, I believe we're going to experience discipleship on a, a depth and breadth that we haven't seen yet in our church history, that we're going to see community built on a level that we haven't seen before. I really believe that there's a spring season ahead of us and that we have to invest today to embrace that tomorrow that God has promised us. Not waiting for things to happen, but walking into what God has prepared for us as a church. And we do that by acts of faith, by steps, by, by believing in prayer and faith, by investing, by being a part of, of building this preparation for this new season. It's all an act of faith. And I really believe that this, this series is timely for us as a church. Because it's not just about our individual walks, but how they connect with one another for a greater purpose. And that's really God's heart in, in bringing us together for a church, is, is to connect us together for his mission, to, to preach the gospel to all walks of life, all corners of the world, and to make disciples. But in order for us to make disciples, we have to be disciples. Amen. Church,
If we are to step into a spring season, there are two very important persons involved in that. Their relationship is key for all of this, all that we dream of, all that we want to do. It's you and it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the coach that will help you run through adversity and suffering, whatever setbacks, whatever challenges we have. The Holy Spirit will help us not run from that, but to, be run, to run through it, just as Ladea said last week. It will help you understand when nothing seems to make sense. It will help you to be wise when there's confusion around. It will help you to show grace when there's disappointment. It will help you to show mercy when there is offense. The, but, you know, the thing that I perhaps love the most about the Holy Spirit is that he's the great animator. He brings the seemingly dull or boring of life, just the ev- everyday repetitive week-on-week church, building church together. He enriches it with his perspective. He brings the seemingly dull or boring to life. He, he brings hope into dimly lit views. He, he brings beauty into ugly places. And I think that that's, that's what sustained David in his darker day, darkest days. You know, that, that guy went through some major challenges. He had some moments where he could have thrown in the towel and just said, hey, I've had enough of this. Particularly in his time as an understudy for King Saul, I mean, he had plenty of reason to get frustrated with God, to, to be offended or hurt or just flee. But he submitted to the will of God and, and to the process because he had this relationship with the Holy Spirit that he had picked up as a young boy, as a young shepherd boy, that he continued to have despite the bumps in his life, throughout his life. And that's what sustained him. That's what helped him get through the dark days to go through the suffering and the challenges and to be a king that had such a legacy that we talk about him today and is revered in so many people groups in the world. We need the Holy Spirit. We need that relationship that's going to sustain us in order to, to walk into our future. Well, if this message is spoken to you this morning, and I hope it has, I pray it has, why don't you just make this prayer that I'm about to pray, your prayer, as we close now. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, we, we ask you for, first and foremost, we ask you for forgiveness for the things that we have done that maybe have grieved you or the things that we have left undone. We thank you, Lord, that you guide us in all truth. That is why you were sent to us, to, to guide us in truth. You help us to cast off the things that hold us back and to run our race that you have set before us. Thank you that you coach us, that you're there for us, that you lead us, that you you help us in a personal and just beautiful way, in a way that only you can to grow and to mature, to take our next steps, to press forth for the prize set before us. We just want to commit afresh this morning. We want to do our part in deciding this morning to do life with you, not apart from you. We, we realize we can't do anything apart from you. We want to involve you and perhaps to an even greater level than we ever have. We recognize that apart from you, things just don't work. Things break down. We get disappointed. They don't make sense without you. We need your voice in our life. Lord, we, we long to create those pockets of your kingdom that Ladea spoke about last week 
for the sake of our families, for the sake of our community, for our city. We want to be that outpost for your kingdom, for your presence, to be a contact point between heaven and earth. We thank you that we know the Father, that we've been reconciled thanks to the Son and that the Holy Spirit, that you revealed that to us. You revealed that truth to us. Give us courage to help others in discovering that truth. Help us to abide in you, Holy Spirit, that we may truly be your disciples, Lord Jesus. That we may know the truth and that the truth would set us free from whatever might be entangling us, whatever we're going through, whatever is just weighing us down. Thank you that you will set us free, Lord, free to run our race that you have called us to, that we may run and not grow weary, but every day experience the reality of the prize of your abundant life, just a little bit more, a little bit greater, a little bit better understanding of what you have done. Thank you that you reveal that to us. Thank you that you have begun a good work in each and every one of us listening this morning. And we'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that message spoke to you as as the rest of the series has done so. Of course, you can always catch up with the other episodes on our podcast. I just want to encourage you. Hey, so what are you going to do? What's my challenge to you is spending your prayer time, perhaps even tomorrow morning when you wake up, just start afresh. Maybe you have a really healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just give thanks to him. Just, just give him props for what he's already doing in your life. But maybe you, you might be in a place where you're struggling right now. Maybe you've kind of dropped the ball in your prayer life, your devotional life. I just want to challenge you to pick that up tomorrow. Just block out some time in your morning. Maybe you have to get up early. Maybe evenings works better for you or lunchtime, whatever. And just invite the Holy Spirit into your day. Let's just recognize that we need him in our life. Let's just give him the proper place in our life. Let's prioritize him and let's allow him to do a work in our hearts and to just help us live out that new mercy. Well, I hope you're encouraged. I hope there's a lot of good conversations going on in your Connect group. If you have any questions, need any prayer, please reach out to us through our website or through the normal channels. That's it for today. Have a great Sunday. Have a blessed week and we'll see you again next week. 